I'm a writer, director, and thirsty lady, meaning I love to drink water. And I'm Gabby Dunn, a writer, bicon, bisexual icon, wink, and the girl who wore satin gloves to prom. <laughs> <laughs> this is Just Between Us, a podcast about brutal honesty, female friendship, and completely unsolicited advice. I had to go with a friend to prom. Really? Yeah. Oh. What friend? I can't totally remember his name. So not a good friend. I think his first name was Brendan, for sure. Okay. I don't and, remember his last name. And it's the guy who does our sound yeah, mixing? Yeah, it's, it's our sound engineer. <laughs> so wait. I've been wondering why he's been looking at me weird. <laughs> so wait, you was it like a pity ask? Well, at my boarding school, you could only go with another senior. At my boarding school. That was her fault. <laughs> um, so it wasn't like everyone in this in the year was dating everyone in the year so there was like a lot of just like friends who had to go together oh that's fucked up that you couldn't take someone else from the high school oh boarding school was fucked up that's strange (laughs) and unexpected oh wait can you talk about the like lesbian garden party you had to go to it wasn't a lesbian garden party. yes it was it was just a regular garden party where no yes so senior girls all the senior girls went and they all asked a junior girl to be their date and then they would go what about go make out in the garden but it was very <laughs> heterosexual when you told me you were like oh yeah that girl was my like date to the mandatory garden party where girls have to ask other girls to the garden party i was like i'm sorry what well because it was a tradition from rosemary hall which was an all-girls school uh, like yeah that's the gayest thing i could have are you kidding me Look, I think that you're making a lot of assumptions about people's sexuality, and they should they should be able to, oh, to say I'm what they are themselves. Oh, I'm making assumptions about girls at an all-girls school. Have you ever seen a movie? <laughs> are you kidding me? What do you think about um, all these people, like, labeling celebrities without the celebrities labeling themselves? Oh, I don't like that. You don't like it? But you no. just did it to all, everyone who's ever been to an all-girls school. They're all lesbians. Well, I don't understand. What, what am I doing wrong? No, I don't like that. I think if the person says that they're they're fluid or if they say that they're a certain thing, people yell at me all the time. I go, I'm bi. And they go, you're pan. And I go, you don't get to make that decision. <laughs> That's not how that works. But I went to prom uh, with my uh, crush on a guy that I had in middle school. You know this story. Yep. I was vindicated from my middle school crush who never paid attention to me. And then we got went to prom together. I like re-met him. He went to a different school and I like re-met him at a party and was like, we should go to prom together so you could see all your old friends from your other school. And he was like, okay. And then he took your virginity. I took his virginity. Excuse me. Oh. What are you, patriarchy over here? I'm so sorry. How dare you? Were you a virgin? Yes. So, okay. <laughs> I don't understand. You took each other's virginities. Yeah. All right. I would argue in what occurred, I was doing the taking. And that makes perfect sense to me. Oh, yeah. But also, I was that girl that, like I said, I went to prom in like a 1960s inspired outfit and still got laid. God. (laughs) My life was so unfair compared to your life. (laughs) And prom was on a boat, which is you should never do that because then you can't get off the boat. I hate things where I can't leave. I know. It was horrible. I hate anything that is dependent on a shuttle system. Yeah. It was terrible. Okay. That's our PSA for the week. (laughs) 
boy, oh boy, do we have an exciting episode for you this week. <laughs> we'll be getting hypothetical with lovely comedian Emily Heller. We'll also be talking about online dating. Ooh, ah, ee. And uh, first, we are going to answer a listener's question. And you know how we do that. Hit it! International question! International question! International question! Eve from somewhere... Eve didn't say where she's from. No, she did not. We have been doing this, the YouTube show, for five years. Yes. Yeah, I really need to know where you're from so that I can answer your questions correctly. I know. Just kidding. I give universal advice. Oh, do you? <laughs> oh, look, there's yeah. various laws in different places. That's true, and I should take that into account way yeah. more than I do. Okay, here we go. This is Eve's email. Hi, I'm Eve. I'm 17 and I've been watching you guys on YouTube for three years now. I've dealt with really bad OCD, anxiety, and depression since I was a small child. Woo! Same. And I've never been able to find friends who actually can be understanding. Finally, this year, I was able to do that. Woohoo! But the problem is, I always feel like I have to be a therapist to them, which is totally fine, and I'm so happy to do that, but sometimes it feels like I'm never getting anything in return, and I'm always left to deal with everything on my own. I know that they're not required to be there for me in that way, but sometimes it just feels like I give a lot of advice and help, and when I have a panic attack or a depressive episode and try to reach out, I don't get the same level of help back. I work at a teen-to-teen crisis hotline, so I'm trained to help them out with this sort of thing. So I get that they can't give back the same level of emotional support as I haven't been through the training that I have, but sometimes it feels like I get nothing. Should I do something, or am I overreacting? This question spoke to me. I was about to say, on, oh my God. Yeah, this question spoke to my soul. On an emotional, deep, spiritual level. I see a lot of myself in Eve. I've been in therapy since I was four years old. On and off, but you know... Started pretty young. Yeah. (laughs) And I think because I kind of started my journey of working on myself younger, I have been able to be there for my friends in a way where I can sort of recognize what's going on maybe a bit sooner than other people. Mm -hmm. And like I understand how to listen and be a sounding board and hopefully support them. And I have felt in my life that it is not always reciprocated. Yeah, you you like to give advice. You like to be involved. Like, you like to know what's going on with people. You like to be like, oh, well, if you need help, here's help. And um, I think also sometimes, speaking as your friend, if you're not, if someone isn't ready to confront something, you'll be like, well, here's what's what's wrong. And they'll be like, I don't want this from you. But like, um, but I think you're like a person, like sometimes people think that the person that needs help is they're like being a burden or they don't want it they don't know how to approach it and they don't want to like get too involved in it but you're like beelining to be to be involved yeah and I you know because I think that it's you need support like you know I'm very lucky in that I have a super supportive family and my parents have always been there for me but a lot of people don't have that yeah and like their friends have become their family and that that's where they get their their main support from mm-hmm. but I also think that Eve like say something like mm-hmm. you are not overreacting no you're, you know like you you're not asking something that's unfair of them I think of it is it's totally valid to potentially sit down in a time when it's not a crisis time for you and be like, look, like, I I know that, like, you don't have the same background and maybe, you know, and you could even use the training line to, like, ease mm-hmm. into the, the conversation but be like, you know, sometimes I kind of, like, I I need you to be there for me a bit more. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a bit worried about my mental health. I need that to feel your support i need more check-ins i just mm-hmm. i just need to feel like i have more of a cushion or a, a safety net below me yeah and, and i want to offer the same to you yeah 
There is always, I think in groups of friends, there is a, the therapist friend. Yes. Always. There's the person who is like the sounding board for everybody, the therapist person. But then that person kind of gets some pride from that. Like they get like a little bit of like, I'm the one that everyone comes to and they feel like good about it and they feel like really happy about it and they neglect themselves. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I can definitely see that scenario happening. And I think that it's great that Eve recognizes that she she's not an island and that she needs the help and support of her friends. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that that's huge and just shows like how self-aware and mature that you are mm-hmm. despite being 17. Um, and I also think that as you get older, your friends change. So kind of with me, like I've, I've gotten more and more of therapist friends. Like I, you know, mm-hmm. I've become closer and closer with people who kind of do what I do and, and are super supportive and do reach out and do check in. And yes. so, you know, like your friends that you have right now won't, won't be the only friends that you have forever. Mm-hmm. So while I think that it's important to sit down and talk to your existing friends, I think that a thing to look for in future friends are proactive friends who will help you and who will be there for you. Yeah, you just might be more mature than the people around you currently. Yeah, sometimes you kind of have to wait for people to catch up. (laughs) Oh, for sure. I also think if someone is leaning on you so hard, it's okay to be like, maybe you need a real therapist. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not paid for this. (laughs) Like, maybe you need an actual therapist and I can't just like be the only person that's, that's helping you. And also, I know that your instinct as someone who is part of a crisis line is to be there for everyone at all times. But there are people that, like, for your well-being and your mental health, you can't be there for. Yeah. And that's going to be tough and that's going to feel shitty and you're going to think you're a bad person. But in reality, like, you know, you have to put yourself first. And some people are are toxic. Emotional vampires. Yes. You got to be sure that you're not dealing with an emotional vampire who is going to wants to latch onto your life energy and suck it out of you but with their problems. Right. Like my therapist described those sort of people as like a tornado. Mm-hmm. Like they come in and they'll just mess everything up and like it's it's normal to shut the door on that. Like yes. that's the healthy move is to step away from that situation. And you can't fix everyone and that's not your job to fix everyone. It's hard for me. I was I wasn't feeling well. I was having like a bit of a panic and I felt really weird. But I texted my sister, I feel sick. And I was like, nervous. And then she was like, oh, what do you need? I'll come right over. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh. And then I, was, I kept apologizing to her. And she was like, don't apologize. And I was like, it's actually a panic attack. I'm not sick. And she was like, yeah, it's fine. Like, but I had to like, this was like last week. I had, or this past week, I had to like lie and be like, I'm sick. Can you come over? But I wasn't sick. I was just anxious. Yeah. But like, I, and then when she got to my house, I was like, I'm just anxious. Like, it's okay to ask for that help. I just, I even felt embarrassed. But I think also, like, friendship, it's like, there's currency in friendships, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, when someone comes and helps you out during that panic attack, like, that's, that's like them getting 20 points. Buy them flowers. You know, or like, you know, so then when they go through something, then you go and you help them out. And so you have to kind of make sure that these friendships are even and that it's not that like you've banked up 100 points and they've banked up 13. You know, like that's a thing to really keep track of to see if you're being taken advantage of. Yes, totally. Absolutely. But I think sometimes with people like that, they crash. Yeah. And I think that there's a huge balance between like self-care and then helping those around you because it can't be all one or all the other. You Mm -hmm. have to like find that balance. And I Mm -hmm. think that your body can kind of tell you which way it's going. 
You're yeah, like you can sort of sense like if you're depleted or if you have stuff to give and you can be there, you know. So sort of just like try to get in tune with yourself about that and and try to get as as like stable as possible. I've been depleted recently and I texted you, sorry, I'm a bad friend. Honestly, you've been the best friend you've ever been to me lately, so it's hilarious. Really? Yeah, you've checked it on me more than ever. Oh. I'm I, sort of like, who is this? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I, I felt like I was like, I don't have anything to give her. I'm like, I guess maybe it's also just depression talking where right. I was like, I don't have anything to give her. I have to apologize for being so like absent and spacey and whatever. You've been the most present you've ever been. <laughs> what? Yeah. But, you know, I think that something happened with you and that, like, you realized what it was like for someone not to give back equally. Mm -hmm. And I think that that sort of, like, flipped a switch in you somehow. And now, in a way, you're, like, more present. So just tell your Eve, just, look, I'm an example of a success story. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I hope that was helpful, Eve. Eve, we kind of went all over the place, but if you want to submit your international question, send it to justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. That's justbetweenus, P-O-D, at gmail.com. Stick around after the break for our interview with one of the most awe-inspiring women I've ever met. Emily Heller. Woo! Welcome back to Just Between Us. It's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, controversial segment known to all of podcasting, Tough Questions. Today, we have a wonderful guest, one of my favorite L.A. comedians, also a prolific writer who works on the HBO show Barry, Emily Heller. Hi. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for doing this. Also one of my favorite comedians. Well, I make it sound like she's only your favorite. But I, I feel like I truly fangirl Emily in a way that maybe you don't. <laughs> like like a stalker level? Yeah, like whenever I'm allowed to ask anyone to do anything, I kind of go to Emily first. I love that. <laughs> So, Emily, you have a lot going on professionally, (laughs) but I only want to talk to you about your new dog. Yes. This is (laughs) when you said I have a lot going on professionally, I was like, "Uh, really just the dog right now. Um, (laughs) I do have things going on, but most of my energy is spent on the dog. (laughs) Because you recently adopted your dog. I recently adopted a dog. Yeah. Yeah. Two weeks ago. Alan, who is currently on your lap. Is Alan. And he, yeah, he's currently on my lap because he has. Extreme separation anxiety for me only, not for my husband. I don't know why. How oh, quickly God, did that happen? Because you yeah. guys got him at this together. You're we both got him there. together, and also like three days after we got him, I left town for like a day and a half. But it happened before I left. Maybe he just likes female energy. Better. That's yeah. what we think. Because when I had like, um, I had someone come watch him who was a woman, and he was like totally fine. Right. He didn't like he he howled a little bit. He howls <laughs> a little bit when I'm gone. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think he prefers women, um, and I can't say I blame him. Uh, same here. Does your husband feel sad that the dog isn't as bonded to him? I don't think he feels sad. I think he feels a little bit um, stressed out because anytime I leave, it's not just the the dog won't just like sit there. The dog will be like, we have to go find her. (laughs) He can't let my husband do just like anything. Like he won't just relax with my husband. He's just like, oh my God, I need to be consoled constantly. So I think it's probably like, whereas like if I'm left alone with him, 
he'll just like follow me around the house and sit around and stuff. Right. But so I'm in the middle. Of, I just started doing the the separation anxiety training. Which have you guys done that with your dog? No. no what my is that dog like? could care less if I leave. Okay. So it is so intense. What is it? Okay. So first, you have to set them up in like a little like safe alone area, like not a crate, but like a penned off area that's oh. just for when they're going to be left alone. Okay. So we put up some gates in our hallway, and it's like our hallway is his alone alone zone. Okay. Um, and I then love alone zone. His yeah. alone zone. Um, so then you put him in the alone zone, and then you just sit outside it for a while, oh. just so he knows like you're there. Mm-hmm. And then you get up like you're going to leave. You oh. walk to the door. And then you sit back down and you do that 10 times. And then you get up, you put your hand on the knob and then you sit back down. I'm on the edge of my and seat. And you do that 10 times. 10 times? Oh and my then God. you open the door and then you sit back down and you do that 10 times. And then you step outside and come immediately back in and you do that 10 times. <gasps> and then, and I, and I've incorporated saying, I'll be right back. Cause my brother said that when he did that with his dog, like it made it so that like you could just say, I'll be right back and they'll relax. Okay. Oh, um, and so then you gradually, like gradually you stand outside for one second at a time and you do that 10 times and then you come back in and then two seconds and then three seconds and then four seconds and then five seconds and then 10 seconds and then 15 seconds. And it is wow. so unbelievably tedious. Yeah. You How many not... times are you supposed to do this whole process? I think the whole thing, well, because I only got through the five second thing and I did it for like three hours. Oh my like, God. It took a really long time to get to that point because you're supposed to like, you, you sit back down and then the whole time they're supposed to be chewing on like treats and stuff and like just chilling out. But like it took two hours to get to the end of the five second cycle. And so then today I'm going to start. When we get home, I'm going to start with the, like, 10-second cycle. Oh, so you don't have to start back at zero. You don't start back at zero, and you're supposed to work your way up to an hour and a half. Oh, my God. And, and you do an hour and a half 10 times? Yeah. How? That's it's two days. It's the whole How thing is supposed to take that? two months, basically. Oh, and I God. Think, yeah, I mean, it's a little unclear because we, we were working with this trainer who's German, and so the handout she wrote in English, but English is her second language, so it's like a little <laughs> bit unclear. Um, like, there's a few things where I'm like, wait, and so how long am I supposed to sit back down for? Like, I've right. just been, like, sitting down, playing, like, one move on Words with Friends and then getting up and doing it again. Wow. But I feel like if one of my neighbors is watching <laughs> my front porch and just seeing me walk outside and then walk right back in. <laughs> <laughs> like over and over and over again. Uh, I have no idea what they're thinking. Probably just that I have OCD, but. Yeah. Okay. So Sugar will freak, my dog, will freak out because my apartment is right by the elevator. And so when there's elevator noise, she like thinks someone's there and she'll start barking. And she, and a lot of times like the way to get her to stop is I have to open the door and like let her see that nobody's there. Oh, God. It doesn't stop it, but yeah. it's just a thing. I'd, and so yesterday she was barking and I opened the door to let her see no one was there. And then the neighbor in the apartment next to me yelled, shut up. <gasps> <laughs> Whoa. Isn't that crazy? Whoa. Oh, as if the dog understands English. And yeah. as if I wouldn't be offended by that. Yeah. I think things are getting tense with me and my next door neighbor. Oof. Because of sugar? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Like the wife is fine and gives me like free food, but the man and then also this like other guy who's always around. I don't know if they're in a thruple. I don't know what's going on. These are m- much older people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so probably not. But then he also said you a don't very- know. Older people love thruples. Yeah, that's true. And then we were coming back last night and uh, we like, he was coming into the elevator as we were getting out and he went, oh, good. She's not barking right now. <gasps> oh, man. It's a very passive aggressive way of maybe asking you for an apology. I don't know. 
But, but I've said, he also, this man, thinks that Sugar is barking just at him. Oh. Like, is such a narcissist that he's always like, oh, that dog always barks at me. And I'm like, no, that dog always barks at the elevator noise. <laughs> yeah. It has nothing to do with you. Yeah. yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily, when we before we got a dog, like our ne- we live in a house and our next door neighbors have a dog that barks all the time. So mm. I was like, first of all, they're definitely going to be cool with it if we yeah. get a dog that barks. <laughs> uh-huh. But if anyone else isn't cool with it, we can totally blame their dog. Right? Oh. Like the area is used to that. Yeah, you're not yeah. disrupting. We're anything. not introducing dog energy. Beans, exactly. My dog doesn't really bark, and I went full Big Little Lies because we went to. We, we went to a cabin, uh, me and, and my ex-girlfriend and some friends, and we brought the dog. That's and weird. I wasn't invited. It was, a, it was a gay trip. Oh, cool, cool, cool. And, uh, <laughs> and the excuse she uses always when I'm not invited. <laughs> it was a gay couple trip, and you weren't in a couple. Okay. Nor are you gay. Right. So Discrimination. Yeah, right? Straight people being left out of everything. <laughs> and so, and so uh, we left the dog and we went kayaking and we left the dog uh, in, the, in the cabin for a bit. And then a woman came over like after like an hour we got back. A woman came over and she was like, your dog was barking the whole time. Beans has never barked a day in his life. And they were like, your dog was barking the whole time. And I turned fully into like Shailene Woodley from Big Little Lies. I was like, my dog has never barked. Like I went full <laughs> preschool like there's no way that my child did this like and then I was like oh this is what I'm like truly in my heart like this is what I would be like with a kid does your dog make you feel like you want to have a kid or don't want to have no, a kid no don't want to have a kid because yeah that has it yeah. has fully confirmed that I do not want to have children don't, absolutely really that's so Gabby had the exact same like trajectory yeah she we're, was so pro kid and now she's on the fence really yeah because the dog is so much work so much work yeah Maybe my dog is just easy because I'm sort of like, oh, it's nice to have a thing you love. And imagine having one that loved you back. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think a lot of people get a dog and realize like, oh, shit, I can do this. I would totally be a good parent. Mm -hmm. And I'm not like, oh, I'm bad at owning a dog. But I'm just sort of like, this is already like a burden. Like, I love him so much. And that itself is a burden. And I'm kind of like, any escalation in this like, if he wasn't cute, if he could talk back to mm-hmm, me, mm-hmm. if he could... But the other thing is, I... I would be so... F- the dog, my dog, I he will never grow up to do chores. And that's right. the thing that I'm like, well, maybe a kid would be the better. Kid, I the kid grows up. So yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like, if I had a kid, it would grow up and I would be able to ask it to do things that I'll never be able to ask Beans to do. Yeah. That's really revealing about you. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, it's true because your You're love like language you is acts of service. Yeah, you exactly. You love people doing things for you. Right. Beans never has any thumbs. He's never going to do the dishes. <laughs> He's never going to sweep. You know what I mean? I feel like with my dog, too, like, it's triggering some of my, like, relationship issues because, like, I have had boyfriends in the past who were, like, really dependent on me mm-hmm. and it repulsed me. And... <laughs> Like, my husband, who I'm with, like, we're very, very independent. Yeah. Um, It's, like, the thing that I, like, least about marriage is the implication that we are intertwined more than we actually are. Because I'm, like, no, we, like, obviously we, like, live together and share Mm -hmm. a lot of things. But, like, we live separate lives as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, this dog is just, like, he's, like, every one of my, like, shitty (laughs) ex-boyfriends. Because he, like, he is, uh, like immediately obsessed with me, does not want me to have my own life, like, <laughs> looks sad even when I'm giving him exactly what he wants. Mm-hmm. Like, I will never please him. And yeah. I'm like, I'm learning to deal with that, I think. That's but so Do you funny. feel like when you get away from him, you, like, feel a sense of relief? From the dog? Yeah. 
And the partners, I guess. <laughs> I mean, when I broke up with those guys, I felt hugely relieved. Yeah. But um, but with Alan, no, I, I still feel like I'm like, oh, I got to get home to him. Yeah. You know? Yes. Until he's okay being alone. I really want this training to work. Mm-hmm. He really needs to be okay I with me being alone. I think it will. Gone. I feel like we've talked about dogs for a very long time. Oh, this was <laughs> the main the topic. Whole episode. If you, you if you look at if you look at our notes because we have notes, it says question line for Emily Heller, and then our producer wrote, you know, be clear on why you invited the guest on the show, and then I wrote, talk about being a new dog mom. <laughs> Yeah, did you want to come here and talk about something else? Did you want to talk no, about your career no. or anything? I mean, all that's in my life right now is this dog. Well, I did. You brought up something interesting about like your relationship with your husband and how it's not at, like because you also like you you guys got married pretty like without a big ceremony yeah, and all that. Yeah, we kind of got married sort of secretly, right? Yeah. What was that like? It was. I mean, it was for health insurance, so it was like we had to do it real quick. Yeah. Because um, there was like a deadline or something. Well, because uh, he lost his his coverage and it was like I called the WGA and I was like how soon after getting married would my partner be covered and they were like immediately and so it wasn't like we have to do it this quarter it was like the second we get married he has coverage again (laughs) and so we got married two weeks later oh my Um, god and we did it in our living room and we like didn't tell anyone about it I mean we told some people like we told our close friends about it but we didn't post about it in part because like I have jokes in my act about like not wanting to get married (laughs) and I like I wanted to tell them in my special which just came out and like I didn't want people to watch it and get like distracted by like an obvious lie yeah of saying I wasn't married (laughs) um and so I was like I think I'm just gonna wait until after like my album comes out and like uh and then post about it and it kind of felt nice to have something that wasn't just like for everyone to know totally right away like because I tell everyone everything all the time (laughs) and he's not like that at all (laughs) um and so it was like interesting to but it was it was nice it was like a small ceremony and like you know, it was not something that either of us had been planning on or thinking about too much. But, like, we had always said, like, okay, if for health insurance or mm-hmm. something like that, like, we would be willing to do that. And also then, like, when we started talking about it, he was kind of like, well, like, what if, like, next week I all of a sudden got health insurance? Like, mm-hmm. and I was like, I'd still want to be able to come to the hospital if you got hit by a car. Right, totally. exactly. You know? That's the thing. Yeah. That's and the thing. And you get afforded certain privileges, like if something bad happens. Yeah. For sure, for sure. And things like that, that it's like, well, of course I should be there for that. Like, How long have you been together? Um, We've been together like four and a half years now. So that's reasonable. It's yeah, not like you totally. met two months ago and No, got no, yeah. We were already in the Living middle together, of, right? we were already buying a house together. Oh, so yeah. like, <laughs> we were like, we had to like redo our escrow paperwork. <laughs> like, uh, it was complicated. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it wasn't like, it didn't feel like an escalation of commitment, mm-hmm. but it was like, okay, this means something to our families too. And like our immediate family right. came to the ceremony and we did it in our living room and mm-hmm. um, it was very quick. Uh, <laughs> but um, does that feel like the right wedding for you? You know, it's weird. Like, I always feel like it's the right wedding for us. If it was just me marrying myself, it would probably be a way bigger thing. <laughs> really? Yeah. But, like, he, my husband doesn't like attention. 
Oh, um, that's so interesting. What I, are those I people like? Would, I don't know if he would uh, agree with that characterization, but like he definitely doesn't like it as much as me. He would definitely agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and I don't understand his brain at all. Like I'm like, <laughs> who are you? Why would you ever, you know? Um, so I'm like, I feel like it kind of defaults to like, I wouldn't, my nightmare would be to have like a big attention-y wedding that he was miserable for. Because right. like, that, I wouldn't want that. But I'm like, I also feel like because of being a comedian and like, being, you know, just having the life that I have. Like, I have a lot of, like, big peak events where I see a lot of people and I'm yeah, dressed right. up and, like, a wedding isn't my only chance at that. So it I think about like, that a lot, yeah. Yeah. So, so you don't feel, like, robbed of, of a more traditional wedding? No, no. Because you're like, I went to the Emmys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I went to the Emmys. It's okay. Um, but I, I also... You guys won an Emmy, right? Uh, Bill Hader won for um, acting and Henry Winkler won. Oh, that's... And a, then I think so you worked on an Emmy award-winning an show. An Emmy award-winning show and I personally was nominated, but I didn't win. Um, so you don't need a wedding. Exactly. I mean, we talked about having like a party or something later on, but then we just sort of were like, do we really want to do that? <laughs> like, I yeah. mean, I kind of... The thing I like about weddings is that it sort of forces people to come hang out with you. Mm-hmm. Yes. But I will say, like, even planning an immediate family tiny ceremony in our living room was more stressful than I expected it to really? be. Really? <laughs> yes. So I'm like, any level of getting married has drama to it, I think. Oh, because family's involved and everyone has an opinion and everyone's, yeah. like, hanging out with each other and it's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. Ugh. Oh, what a perfect way to end Tough Questions. Emily, would you like to participate in our next segment? Yes, please. It is called Hypotheticals. This is a game where I'll give you hypotheticals, and then you'll give me your answer, and I'll tell you why you're probably wrong. Okay, great. Are you excited? I'm very excited. It is America's favorite game show. I love to be corrected. (laughs) (laughs) Like all people. (laughs) Um, So there's multiple types of, of hypotheticals, and our first type is the classic, would you stay with this cheater? Okay. Okay, here's the scenario. No. All right, wait, wait. No, go ahead. Go here's ahead. the scenario. Okay. Yes. Uh, I need you to be a little more open-minded. Okay. <laughs> you run into your ex after over a year apart. The sparks are still there, and you decide to get back together. The next day, they confess to having sex with their current partner one last time to, quote, let them down easy. Would you stay with this cheater? Huh. That's a fun one, right? Yeah. I, I, it's hard for me to conceptualize this because I'm just the type of person who, like, there's no world in which I would get back together with them until they were fully broken up with the other person. You didn't know that they had a significant other. Well, then, oh, oh if they well, didn't tell me that, then I am definitely not staying with them. I need all the info. Well, there you go. You lost your soulmate. <laughs> I, I was going to say I would probably be fine. I think I'd be fine. <laughs> really? I don't know. Uh, One more time. Like, it's within the 24-hour span. I would be very upset. Okay. Yeah. I feel all the emotions. Because also, like, if have you, so have you guys, have you and the ex slept together before, again, before they told you that they had slept with their, you know what I mean? No. Okay. So that's, so then you get to make an informed decision about your own sex life. Yeah, but it, what's actually, what's unfortunate is that the person they're leaving is their soulmate. Wait, and what? I'm not their soulmate. You're not their soulmate, and you've ruined two people's lives. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. This uh, was a really tough one. Yeah. I know. Thank you. They're getting more complicated. It's also, like, not a situation I would ever, ever find myself in. 
Why? But that's why because it's a there hypothetical. are no ex- exes I would ever want to get back together with. For one thing, well, um, you don't know. You could get divorced and then get back together. That's true. Thank you. I feel like <laughs> if we got divorced, though, it'd be for a pretty good reason. That's fair. Health insurance. <laughs> divorce for health insurance. I just feel like anything is possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know the future. Who knows? Right. Yeah. Also, like, if I got back together with any of my exes, you might murder me. Yeah, I wouldn't allow that. Yeah. Would you let me get back to any with my exes? One. And it would be if he, like, had a full, like, I've changed and I'm a new person. For the first time, I don't want him back. It's very exciting. That is Ooh, great. I know. I think about that every day, and I'm like, way to go, Allison. <laughs> <laughs> Our next game. Is this a date? So you decide if this is a date or not. Okay. You and your brand new step-sibling get invited to a fancy dinner with your respective parents. Your step-sibling laughs and goes, oh, fun, a double date. Then they look at you and wink. Is this a date? No. Wait, wait. I'm sorry. <laughs> wait. How old are we? Uh, you're, you're adults. Yeah. yeah like more and, my, my... and did you know each other before? Not that well. I mean, your parents have been dating for like a couple of years and you've seen them here and there. And now yeah. you're going out just the four of you. But the parents wouldn't think it was a, a date. They would just think it's a family gathering. But what does the step-sibling think? Okay, that would be a horrible first date. Yeah, if the step sibling like- was trying to fuck me, that would be a terrible first date. One person doesn't get to decide it's a date. You have yeah. to both agree that it's a date. Within the rules of these hypotheticals, one person can decide. <laughs> well, in that case, I can't answer the question because it's all in my step sibling's mind. But in my mind, it is definitely not a fucking date. If the step sibling came and was like, look, let's get dinner alone, that's a date. Do you guys not understand the power of a wink? <laughs> I do understand the power of it to repulse me in certain situations. But what if, okay, but what if they're hot? Which I feel like they're I super say hot. in a what lot of these hot? hypotheticals. Yeah. I just go, but what if they're hot? They're super hot. They're super hot. And you're both single. Um, I think it's still not a date yet. I okay. think it's like you have to feel it out. But also even then, I'm kind of like, I'm such a square when it comes to relationships. Like I do when not. When dating your family members. Uh, <laughs> Well, no, I'm like, I would absolutely never date my step-sibling because, like, it would be too messy. Like, I don't like messy situations, and I have no trouble avoiding them. Wow, what's that like? Um, <laughs> it makes, it alienates me for most people <laughs> no, no, no. because I, I can't understand right. their relationship problems, but it does make my life a lot simpler. Like, mm. I I only date people who are emotionally available. Wow. Uh, and it just meant I was single for a really long time <laughs> before I met my husband. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I think if they, I would take it as a flirt ski, and then if they if they ask me to a different thing, then I would be like, okay. Well, that's guess a date. what? You show up at dinner, and your parents don't come because they had car trouble, and suddenly it's just the two of you, and that person is naked, and the step sibling made yeah. a car breakdown, and the step siblings naked in public, so they get arrested. <laughs> <laughs> but it's were not, they my soulmate? No, it's not a match. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's not a match. It's not a match. <laughs> For the first time in this game. I like how you have all the information about who's soulmates in this these hypothetical situations. She, she's omnipotent. Uh, omnipotent. Omnipotent. That's yes. what you are. Thank you. <laughs> and finally, our final game, Are You an Asshole? Ready? Uh-huh. You decide whether or not you're an asshole. Yes. <laughs> your younger sibling wants to hang out with you all the time, but you are cool and older and you have your own life. Finally, after they tag along uninvited for the upteenth time, you shout, get your own life, get your own friends. They then join a dangerous cult and you never hear from them again. <laughs> are you an asshole? <laughs> ah! Yes. Um, I say yes. I'm the youngest of three. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, 
I blame them for everything. (laughs) I think you could have approached it with them in a different way. Like you could have sat them down and talked about it in a nicer way. But you're not responsible for them joining a cult. No, they write you a letter and say, because of you, I've joined this cult. But you said never heard from them again. Oh, um, you're right. It wasn't them. It was the cult leader (laughs) writing a letter (laughs) pretending to be them. I do think if you have a family member who joins a cult, you have a responsibility to try and get them out. Especially because this, like this, danger- this is though. a dangerous cult. Okay, but think about think about members of my family. I think there's a few that I would get out of the cult and a few that I would be like, whatever. I think some would blossom in a cult. <laughs> they would really flourish. I feel like even people I hate, I want to get them out of cults. Yeah. Just nah. because You're I... You're a good person. It's, it's hard for you to play this game. Yeah, <laughs> You're very yeah. level-headed I and, think and I, kind. I also, I think I just have like a particular thing about cults where I'm sort of like, they make me, they're so obviously wrong yeah. that it makes me so furious. Like when people do things that are obviously wrong, it disrupts my worldview. Mm-hmm. I oh watched God. that, like Hulu has a new uh, documentary series about, or no, it's not Hulu, it's A&E. But I watched it on Hulu um, <laughs> about uh, like cults and extreme beliefs, and I watched the episode about Nexium. Oh, oh like, uh, yeah! Welcome and, to my world. Oh my god! I listened to a whole podcast about that. Yeah, it's so infuriating because that's a really weird one. Because a lot of times I feel like when you think about cults, they're like on a commune, they're like separated. But in that cult, like they just had regular lives too. Yeah, And, like, they didn't, like, have to cut out their family or anything, but then they had this, like, weird second life where they were, like, doing these weird, like, sex dungeon, like, branding and, like, really oh, bizarre stuff. Oh, is that stuff. not normal? Okay. I feel like I have a really normal life and then just a cool second life. Yeah, but yours is less um, organized. He's <laughs> 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 not, like, one person telling you exactly what to do. No, I'm my own boss of my own cult. And it's yeah. just me, the only member. Listen, the thing that doesn't matter is like whether or not you're an asshole because ultimately your sibling comes back and murders you. Whoa, it's like a Manson thing? Yes. So there's nothing I can do to avoid that. No, you're dead in this scenario as well. Wow, omnipotent. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Before you go, do you have any final words of wisdom you want to share with our listeners? Wisdom? Don't date people who are wrong for you. Definitely don't date your step-sibling if you can avoid it, I guess. That's smart. Yeah. And maybe avoid a cult? Avoid cults, yeah. And um, tell your family members to avoid cults and any multi-level marketing schemes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. They're all bad. They're all real bad. Um, That's smart advice. Thank you. And where can we find you? Um, my new hour-long special, Ice Thickeners, is available now on Comedy Central Digital. So, like, on their app and their website. And their, it's the whole thing's on YouTube. You can just watch it for free. Okay. That's awesome. Um, and I have an album out called Pasta. Uh, I think there's jokes on the special and jokes on the album that are not on each other. Like there's a, at least one on each that's not on the other one. Uh, you can watch Barry season two on HBO now. And I'm at Mr. Ale and Millie Heller on all things. Lovely. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Stay tuned after the break, listeners, because we're going to be talking about online dating. Woo! Spooky. Welcome back to Just Between Us. It is time for Topics. XXXXX. I wish you guys could see how much we danced during our theme music. I know. Uh, yeah. I really get it. Get it on. Um, anyway. <laughs> Are you getting jiggy with it? Yeah. Well, maybe. Perhaps. <laughs> um, this week, 
wanted to discuss dating in the age of internet dating. Okay, what about it? It's wild. Okay, well you... I have a lot of experience online dating. You're an app fiend. I have had three relationships come from online dating. Yes, and you've been on multiple apps. Oh yeah, I've been apping it up. I think online dating is a wonderful asset. I think it introduces you to people you would never meet. Mm-hmm. I think that it's a way to get out there, even if you're shy or even if you like work from home and don't interact with that many people or have a sure. smaller friend group. Like it's a, it is a great way to meet people and to form relationships. Mm-hmm. I also think it is extremely detrimental. Oh, why? I think that we are just like in a culture of dating where people think there's always going to be something better. Isn't there though? Right. So. <laughs> Gabby here represents the worst type of dater. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, I, you, you, you're you using apps literally being like, if you're not going to be my husband, don't speak to me. But and honestly, I'm using apps like Postmates. <laughs> you're like, hey, come over to my house and bring some ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> I, You know what? That's true. No, I'm literally like shopping. But like, right. And so I think that a thing that, that I did this this last time around Mm-hmm. online dating was making I think that there's a there's a great advantage to online dating in that you can put out there what you are looking for explicitly mm-hmm. without it being socially inappropriate like I think if you meet someone at a bar and like within 10 minutes you're like are you looking to get married sure that's off-putting and it's a little too forward but if you meet someone on an app and you know that the purpose is to date and to see if you're actually compatible. Got it. Then I think you can pretty quickly say what it is explicitly that you're looking for. I will say, yeah, like if you, a lot of polyamorous couples I know are on OkCupid. Mm-hmm. Because that you can still just, exists. Oh my God. I was making fun of my friend who's in an open relationship who's an older guy and he's on OkCupid with his girlfriend. And I was like, right, OkCupid is for 38-year-old polyamorous couples. <laughs> like that's exactly what it's exclusively. for. Exclusively. Almost exclusively. So like he was he was like, yeah, like, you know, and then on OkCupid you can write like I'm in an open relationship. I'm right. looking for this and that. And we're looking for a third or whatever it is versus like if they were at a bar being like, let's pick up that girl. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that like – you need to like use it the way that you want to use it, but yeah. also know that it can – it makes a lot of people feel really bad and it makes a lot of people feel like they have no value as a human. Because they're not getting swiped on? Or like people won't write back or mm-hmm. like it'll take days for responses mm-hmm. or, you know, like you meet and then you, and then like you never talk again. Like so I think you kind of really for, – for internet dating to work for you, you have to really hone in on what it is that you want. And mm-hmm. if it's casual, then making that clear. J-date. So, okay. Looking for Jews. Cool. I just – here's – you know what it is? This is – you're really helping this okay. conversation. I think <laughs> – I think that <laughs> Gabby is loopy. On, I'm so tired. Online dating uh, can be, you know what, in the ways it makes people feel bad is it can be like very racist. Like I've heard friends mm, of mine yeah. that are on Grinder that the whole thing is like, or fat phobic, where it's like the whole thing on Grinder being like, no fats, no femmes, no Asians. Horrible. Oh, I do a thing where if anyone's profile says something that that's a deal breaker for them, I swipe no. Right. Don't tell me how to be. Exactly. Like, it's like, if you're not down for this or if you don't like that, I'm like, goodbye. Yeah. Because if that's, like, out of your, like, less than 100 words, one of the things you're going to do is tell me what not to do. Yes. That's not a personality that I'm going to vibe with. Exactly. I agree. So that becomes this thing that's, like, really picky and really, like, you don't – you're not giving people chances because you're just being, like, so judgmental. 
Absolutely. And I think that that's where the real problem comes in. Right. Right? Because, like, back in the day, you meet somebody, you hit it off, you really like each other, Mm -hmm. you can see a future together. Guess what? You got married. You didn't break up after a year and a half because you want to go on Tinder. Well, okay. I mean, you did, but, like, there's just this expectation that now you can find... That, that anything other than, like, the perfect person right. isn't worth settling down for. Right. But the thing is, that person does not exist. Yes. The only way that relationships work is if you choose to make it work. Mm-hmm. If you, like, you're choosing to commit and to love that person. That doesn't mean that you couldn't commit and love a bunch of other people, but you're choosing that you're going to make this relationship work. If it's worth, if it's not hurting you. Right, if it's, if worth, it's worth it. it. Yeah. But I feel like so many people kind of throw out viable options let's kamikaze this and start over for sure because because they're like well i have i have hundreds of people in my phone Mm -hmm. and that's where i think it gets it gets to be really dangerous and i think it i think it bleeds into relationships that even come about in real life even if you meet your coworker and you start dating your coworker, you meet someone at a bar like they know that there's so many more options out there Hmm. And so it like it makes it a lot harder for people our age, I think, to to commit to each other. I've never thought of it that way. Really? No. Yeah, because I love options. (laughs) So like, I, you know, like if I'm with someone and I'm polyamorous, I'm still. But also like even though I've been polyamorous, I've never found someone on an app. I've never gone on and looked on online for an extra person. Yeah, we get it. People come to you. You live a blessed life. (laughs) But I did just order someone off the internet. Yeah, you're hooking up with someone from Hinge right now. Yeah, I ordered him straight from the internet. Amazon Prime, baby. (laughs) I, uh, uh, and that, but that actually was a thing where I went on the app to specifically look for someone who would be completely unviable. Like I you don't went, want anything serious. Right. So I went and I found I, – I changed my specification. And this is like some Black Mirror new age, like new internet age shit is I went and I changed my settings to be the least likely person that I would have a serious relationship with and then I found him. <laughs> but you know what? That's what you wanted and you used the app appropriately and you were upfront with him from the beginning about what your intentions yeah. are. But you know what I mean? Like I felt like I was able to just be like – how do I find exactly what I'm looking for? And then I found that. Well, that's why people feel like they shouldn't, that this person, you know, you're never going to find someone that completely lines up with what is in your head as yeah. as your perfect partner. Yeah. And I also think that there's this real issue. Like when I was on, on Hinge before I connected with my boyfriend, I have a boyfriend, um, <laughs> like it's easy to see that because of the numbers, people don't feel real to you. Yeah, because you're talking to so many people. It's Huge. like you know, like I could respond to this. I could not. It feels like a game. So like people kind of lose their humanity. Yeah, and I think that the, I think that if you're if you're looking for a relationship and you realize that that's what's happening on an app, then you need to like realize that's what you're doing mm-hmm. and like get and like be more responsive. Take put more thought into what you send to somebody. Mm-hmm. Like actually try to get some know somebody. Actually meet someone in person yeah. and don't kind of treat it like a video game. Yes. I also what happened was I I found the the one dude and then I immediately switched back over to women on Hinge mm-hmm. and then I was overwhelmed because I was like every literally I would swipe and then I would see the next woman and be like that's the most beautiful girl I've ever seen <laughs> and then I would swipe and be like oh my god that's the most beautiful girl I've ever seen and then I would swipe again and it ended up I had like thirty 
matches by the end of it just because I was like, every girl's the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. But then I felt like overwhelmed and I was like, well, now who do I even, I don't know who to talk to. I got like, so I, I forgot what each conversation was yeah. when I would go back to it. I was like completely overwhelmed by how many like women there were. And then I got, and then I was like, I don't know, I can't meet any of them. Like, what do I, what do I do? And I like got so anxious by the sheer number of them. Right. And which is why I think that like, you know, you can be, you can potentially be really picky on mm-hmm. online, which I think is, you know, it can be good and bad, but I think in some ways it can be really good yeah. in that, you know, like you, you can set, you know, you can be like, this person is probably too young for me or, yeah. you know, like I, I don't want to date another person who does what I do. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to date someone who does, oh, what they're doing, this sounds really interesting or I'm yeah. not, I'm not an adventurous person. I could pretend to be an adventurous person, but guess what? I hate camping. Yeah. I, there's no point in me talking to this guy who's, entire profile is him like rock climbing yeah you know? for sure and just like being more honest with yourself about what you're actually compatible with oh yeah i think i was like i'm so much gayer than i'm anticipated <laughs> i i also like it was so interesting to like swiping men it was like you all seem to really enjoy the office and then like swiping women it was just like all of a sudden all of our interests lined up they like they were like the L word, killing Eve, like yeah. Tegan and Sarah. Like all of a sudden, it was like things that I I recognized and felt familiar with and related to. So that, that's beautiful. I know, and it was like it just like uh, reaffirmed that there's two f- different worlds going on out there, <laughs> and I and in one, the office is so relevant. <laughs> in 2019, yeah, and I you know I think that also an issue with meeting people online is that your main form of communication, at least at first, is is via text, right? I can't do it. I need to meet you, like, within two days. I can't do texting for a week. I don't know how you do it. I had to do that because of scheduling. But, um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, but I, you know, I I think that there's this, with texting, like, people are so hesitant to be themselves and instead, like, carefully craft these messages. Mm -hmm. But what is the point of that? Mm -hmm. If you being yourself is off-putting to that person, then you're never going to work. It might just take you a little bit longer to figure out that you're not going to work. Yeah. So I'm a huge proponent of be yourself up front. I've been taken in by a good texter and never again. <laughs> I will not be fooled by someone who is a terrible person, great at texting. But I'm just saying there's this fear that like, oh, if I if I say the wrong thing or if I word this incorrectly, then this person will never respond to me again. But if that's the case, then that person is not for you. Yeah, fuck them. And it's a great way to like weed through, you know, those 30 applicants. Like who gets your jokes? Yes, that's huge. That's huge for me. Who gets your jokes? I don't know. You want to look at my hinge? I'm sure. It's really (laughs) overwhelmed right now. I haven't looked at it in forever. Oh, my God. See, this is a problem. This girl just wrote... Hi, I was with my friend Reese at your book signing in January. Oh, so I'm that... too I'm too famous. Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So there's pro, there's pros and cons to both of it. I think you just have to make the system work for you. Yes. And not fall into the the bad traps of it. Yeah. Which is like not treating people with respect, mm-hmm. like not like actually realizing that they're humans <laughs> i'm very open on my i'm like bye polly like that exactly. like i'm very so you very get that open. out there yeah that's great that's a benefit mm-hmm. of it yeah i'm super open about that stuff on on any kind of, but i'm open about that in real life too but i think a lot of people you're an aren't. exception right like i think a lot of people aren't i think like i'm very like hey nice to meet you bisexual and polyamorous what's going on 
Right. And then they're like – And I'm like, hi, nice to meet you. Would you like to meet my dog? (laughs) Do you want to be my dog's new father? (laughs) Here's another problem. You want to hear a real problem? I'd love to. In the gay hinge dating situation? Lay it on me. Where are the butch women? Oh, really? Not a lot of butches on them. They're dating apps. That's weird. All femmes. I wonder why that is. I don't know, man. Where are the butches? What is that um, That only gay one? The Her? Her? Are there more there? I don't think. Look, man, if you're a butch lady, please write into this show or tweet me and tell me what apps you're on. Because I'm finding nothing but femme for femme over here. Mm. And, I, and I, that's fine. I love a femme. I love a butch more. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to hear if our favorite producer, John, has ever been on online dating. So, John. Yeah. Have you dabbled? Oh, I have dabbled. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. It's been like six years since I've done it. So oh, it was a wow. different game. Yeah. So my You were, experience. what, like mid-20s when you were doing it? Yeah, mid-20s, yeah. just moved to New York, and I was like, okay, now it's go time. Now like, it's time. Yeah. It's a big city. I'll go on it. And I kind of was like, well, I don't know. I've been meeting women at like parties and through friends. Let me just do this as like a sociological experiment. That was a weird way to approach it. But I was very methodical at first. Like I went in thinking, okay, I just want to kind of go on a couple dates. I haven't done that a lot in my life. I just kind of fall into these relationships that sort of. Samesies. Yeah. They don't like, they seem good. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I'm not happy and I'm not (laughs) going to get out of this. Oh no, John, not being happy makes me so sad. I'm just, I'm just not as decisive. So I would go on, I'd start messaging but i messaged too much and mm. then i had a roommate who was like you should use the like my method the three message rule and i was like what's that and he says like you should try and ask out whoever you're um talking to within three messages oh see i, I think like, that's too fast why yeah, yeah i don't need all this texting know. well i need to get a better sense before i waste real lifetime an mm. hour at a coffee shop that's a do you know how long that is as someone who's had to have those dates over and over again, an hour of your life at a coffee shop, one-on-one talking to someone is a lot. Okay. Yeah. I hear you. It can be, but I guess it also depends on how you approach it. So right. I did start to message a little shorter, mm-hmm. and it kind of did work. And so I went on several dates, but I would get to like second date, third date, and I'm like, wait, what do I do from here? I almost yeah. like didn't know how to function. Really? Yeah. And I was like, and so I, it ended up being, instead of me making the move to say, hey, thanks, but no thanks, these women were coming back to me and saying like, you know, it was great, but let's just be friends. Let's yeah. great, let's just be friends. And I'm like, how do I control this? And literally I was thinking, okay, I'm not in this for a relationship. And then I fall into a relationship. <laughs> exactly. And so the point is like going back to what y'all said, you got to know what you want. You right. got to go in there with purpose. And yeah, there's like s- selection is like it was actually very interesting to hear how y'all approach selection. You're like, I love it. You go, ah, not so much, <laughs> uh, Allison. So, um, yeah, just a matter of handling selection and knowing that like there are going to be plenty of people in the world, hopefully, who you vibe with. Right. Just a matter of who do you vibe with the most at the, the current time, or right. like in general. And who do you who do you want to work on vibing with the most? Yeah. Who's, who's I don't worth go the to work? The, the mall to shop. I go to the mall to beeline right for the shirt that I'm looking for. Leave with it. So you like having options. Yeah. I'll return the shirt. <laughs> okay, there we go. There we go. Oh man. So how do we how do we rate this episode? Ooh, okay. New metric I, f- I figured out. What? It's not gonna be a number. It's gonna be um in a, a feeling? A, <laughs> a feeling, maybe um like a you can't visually see it, but you'll figure it out. I'm gonna rate it a fire emoji, fire emoji, crying while laughing emoji, uh praise hands emoji, and a one hundred emoji. Woo! So yeah. 
I, I love that. <laughs> I am flattered. I <laughs> love Thank that. Thank you, John. I, I feel like Tom Haverford in Parks and Rec and how I yeah. said that. <laughs> I love that. And we appreciate it. <laughs> wow. Now I have to think. I, I rate it five um, eggplant emojis. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Okay. I see what you're putting out there. Gosh. <laughs> well, I had a nice time. <laughs> this episode. What did what was everyone's favorite part? What did everyone learn? I liked Emily talking about her relationships with her dog and yeah. her husband and how she treats all of that. Yeah. I love how yeah. sure of herself she is. Yeah. Yes. Like she knows who she is and that's it. And that's awesome. Yeah, I liked my favorite part was her being such a good person. And <laughs> us know. being like, Really? Like no gray area? Okay. You sure? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's fun to do hypotheticals with a person who has no gray area. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much to Emily for being our guest. Just Between Us is hosted by me, Allison Raskin. And me, Gabby Dunn. Our engineer is Brendan Burns. He also composed our theme music. Our producer is Kristen Torres. Our senior producer is John Asante. Our executive producers are Chris Bannon and Jenny Rattle at Mast. Just Between Us is a production of Stitcher. Happy prom, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Stitcher. The mob, the mafia, the syndicate, the family. Once you're in, you're in, you can't get out. What we know about the mafia, it's all about the guys. But there's another side of the mob in the 20th century, and it's just as dangerous, but in a totally different way. Especially if you're a gay man, a drag queen, or a woman. We're talking about the underworld of New York City's very first drag clubs and the woman. That's right. A woman who ran them. A woman named Anna Genovese. Do you wanna be- Anna was the goddess. She's a tough old bird. Who was this mob queen with the insight and ability to write her own ticket in a man's world? That's what we want to know. Who is Anna Genovese? Mob Queens is out now. You can listen on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.